0: Amen. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Can you say amen? amen? Is God good? I want to bring you a word from the Lord this morning. I want to bring you a word from the Lord this morning and I want you I want to draw your attention to the book of Luke chapter 13 verse 34. Book of Luke chapter 13 verse 34. If you would turn there, when you get there say amen. Luke thirteen thirty-four. I want to talk to you this morning about the God who is like a mother. Luke thirteen thirty-four. Jesus is speaking over Jerusalem. He says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus that you'd open our ears and open our eyes, that we might hear and see your word and receive it, that we might allow you to gather us and bring us close to your heart this morning. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Here, Jesus is feeling something very deep as he's speaking over the city of Jerusalem. And you know that he's speaking something very deep and feeling something very deep because he starts with the word, oh. It's one of the most explosive Greek terms in the New Testament. In the Greek, it's oh. In English, it's Oh, the Spanish is ideal (laughs) meal. No. You know, whenever my mother called my name preceded by the word, oh, I knew that she was feeling something very deep. Oh, the word, oh, is one of the most powerful articulations of deep seated emotion. Jesus is feeling something deep, and he can't find the words to express it. When you say, oh, what you're saying is, I can't think of any other word to express what I'm feeling except, oh. And the word, oh, can be used to communicate a wide variety of different emotions, can't it? If I said something ridiculous and I was talking nonsense, my mother would say, oh, Benjamin, Oh, Benjamin, like that's so ridiculous. Oh, Benjamin, oh, Benjamin, if I mess something up like one time (laughs) she asked me to put the dishes in the dishwasher washer and turn it on. But we had one of them old fashioned dishwashers that wasn't connected to a water source. So you had to pull it out, connect the hoses to the sink, turn on the water, put the soap in, close the door and turn it on. I did all of those steps, except I forgot to turn on the water. So I connected it to the sink, put this open, closed the door, and turned it on. And burnt the dishwasher to death. I mean, killed it. I mean, smoke was coming out of it. I was like, something's wrong with this thing. And she came home, and the dishwasher was destroyed. And she said, Benjamin, the water's not on. Did you turn it off after running it? I said, oh, I forgot to turn it on. She said, oh, Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin. It was an O of great disappointment. The first is an O of great ridiculousity. The second is an O of great disappointment. But if my name is stated twice after the O, oh, Benjamin, Benjamin. It's an O of great grief. Jesus doesn't say, oh, Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He had to say the name twice. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He's experiencing some deep grief and deep pain as he thinks about the city of Jerusalem. And he's going to weep and lament over the city because of what's happening. And the only way he knows how to explain what he's feeling is by analogy. Now, we need to understand that the Bible, when it speaks of God, it speaks in terms of metaphor or analogy. Now, the primary metaphor or analogy for God is father. God is our father. Now, when the Bible says God is our father, it's not talking literally our father as if he had a mother and father procreated us and gave birth to us that way not the way i'm a latheist father when the bible says god is our father it's a metaphor in other words if you want to understand who is god who god is toward us you have to look at the relationship between a child and a good father not just any father a good father and you look at the relationship between a child and And a good father, and the way that good father is toward his child, you can project that onto God, only understand that that good father is evil compared to our heavenly father. Because Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, never in scripture is God referred to as our heavenly mother. And I just need to say right here that I'm not in agreement with the theological position that has opted to refer to God as mother, father, God, or our heavenly parent, kind of a kind of a genderless way of referring to God. I'm not in agreement with that. Why? Because we don't have the right to make stuff up. We can only speak of God that which he has spoken of himself. And God never said, I'm your heavenly mother. He said, I'm your heavenly father. However, there is a mother's revelation of God. That is there is a mother side to God. We can very safely say that he is like a mother in very in very particular ways. Here Jesus says I've searched the father metaphor and I can't find anything in it that I can use to express what I'm feeling over the city of Jerusalem. So I'm going to turn to the mother metaphor. The only way you can understand what I'm feeling is if you look at the way a mother is toward her child. If you see the pain in a mother's face over her wayward children, then you cannot begin to understand what's in my heart over the city of Jerusalem. And he says, you've stoned the prophets. You've killed those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather you the way a mother hen gathers her young. I've longed to gather you. Jesus says, I want you to understand what I'm feeling. What I'm feeling is that I've desired to gather you. I've longed to gather you the way a mother hen gathers her young. Now, the one thing I know about mothers that I've experienced from my mother in particular is that what mothers long for more than anything else is the gathering of their children the gathering. I want to bring them all together. I want to sit them down at the table with me. You know, today after church, we're taking my mom to her favorite restaurant in Hayward. It's called chef's experience. It's a Chinese restaurant in Hayward. And she loves that place. Both of my parents love that place. And so my dad Facebooked all of us and said, you're all going to be at chef's experience. He didn't say, I need you to come. He didn't say, can you come? He said, you're all going to be there. Your mama wants to see you there. And so you find a way to make it there. You get there and honor your mama. Now, if I sent a gift in place of my presence, no matter how expensive the gift was, even if I bought her a new car, it would not compare with my presence. Because what my mother wants is to gather me. She wants me to come sit at the table with her. She wants me to look into her eyes and, and, and express love to her and receive love from her. She wants to gather me. She wants me to come sit at the table. And what she always says is, I'm just happy to have all of my children here. I'm just happy. When she looks around and sees myself and my wife and my baby and my brother and his wife and my other brother and his wife and all 12 of his kids and my sister Melody... And and when she looks around, and all of us are there with all of our children, and 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 it could be a madhouse in the place. I mean, kids destroying stuff, climbing over stuff, breaking stuff, getting into stuff, throwing stuff, getting hurt, hurting each other, making a mess, pouring syrup over the carpet. You know what I mean? Take, you know, my... (laughs) Taking juice and just pouring it out, pouring it over each other's heads, painting the walls with their fingers, with, you know, with fresh uh, strawberries, whatever, whatever. And do you think it bothers my parents? No, my mom is happy. Everybody's here. It's a mess, but it's a it's a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess because everybody's together. Everybody's here. And when my mother wants to gather everybody, she's not just gathering everybody so that she can have one on ones with everybody. She's not gathering everybody so, can, so that she can have connection. She wants to see us connect with each other. She wants to see me sit down with Joshua and talk with him. And when she sees our eyes light up when we see each other and we're showing love to one another and we're speaking, we're interested in each other's lives. When she sees that going on, it brings joy to her heart. When she sees me talk to my brother's wives or my brother's wives talk to each other or or my wife talking to my brother's wife. When she sees us playing with each other's children and our children playing together and mingling together, it brings joy to her heart. It's not about a one-on-one with God. God doesn't just want to gather you individually to himself. He wants to bring you in with all of your brothers and sisters. And he, he wants to see you looking into each other's eyes and loving one another and caring for one another. And he wants to see you lifting one another up and being there for one another and meeting one another's needs. It's not just the loving of God, but it's the loving of one another. And what a mother's heart cries out for is that her children would be just as committed to each other as they are to her. I remember when I was younger and my brothers and I used to fight that we would have some some battle royals like a steel cage match back to the WWF days but it was typically either me and Josh or Charles and Josh almost never me and Charles but Charles and Josh would have some battle royals i mean they would have some brawls some knockdown drag out fist fights you know where they tried to kill one another Josh and I we fought once in a while and i was just trying to you know well we're not, we're not. Yeah. Uh, he's not here to defend himself. He might have a different story, (laughs) but Josh and Charles used to fight a lot. And sometimes me and Josh would fight. And whenever we would fight, I would see how it would break my mother's heart. And she would sit us down after a big fight and say, don't you realize that you're all you have Don't you realize that all you have is each other. I don't care how much money you have when you grow up as long as you have each other. Don't you realize you're supposed to protect one another. You're supposed to be a wall around one another. Don't you realize other people might attack you, but you never attack each other. You are a family. You're brothers. You got to stick together. Don't you realize that? And what I realized was that the older we got, the more mature we got, the less conflict we had. Until we got to a certain age I remember the last fight my brother Josh and I had it was it was a verbal fight see we used to fight with words do you know that words can hurt just as bad as fists can me and Josh used to fight with words and we would sit at the table and I remember I remember my wife and I had just gotten married and my brother and his wife and his his wife to be they were had just gotten engaged and we were having an engagement party for them and me and my brother sat at the table looking across from each other here I was about 23 years old and me and Josh got in an argument. And, and we used to get in heated arguments. We were like, you idiot, idiot, what's wrong with you? You know, and he's, no, you're the idiot. You know, we're, we're arguing back and forth. And I could feel my wife, like, cringing inside, like, what are you guys doing? And all of a sudden, I just stopped. And he just stopped. I think he felt the same thing from his fiance. Like, what in the world are you guys doing? And I remember thinking to myself, we are way too old for this. We are way too old for this. That was the last one we ever had. I was 23 years old. Last one. We just suddenly realized that that kind of conflict characterized our immaturity, not our maturity. It characterized our childhood, not our manhood. It was a part of the childish things that we have to leave behind. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. And Paul tells the Corinthians very clearly that their conflict and their division and their schisms and their fighting each other are part of their infantile immaturity. Says you are so young and infantile and immature that there's still division in your church. When you grow up in Christ, there will not be one fight in the church. When you grow up in Christ, you won't, be able to, you won't even be able to tolerate conflict in the church. You'll say, we're too old for this. We are way too old. It won't, doesn't mean you won't have disagreements. But you won't try to harm each other because you have a disagreement. You hearing me? And you won't divide from one another because you disagreed on an issue division and schism it comes from immaturity and infantility and when we come to maturity we put all of that garbage behind us we say i know i might not agree with you on this issue but i'm not separating from you why you're my brother you're my sister you're all i have And if we lose this, and it's funny when I hear believers gossiping about other believers and slandering other believers and talking bad about other believers, I think to myself, how do you, do do you not realize, does it not, you ever think how God must feel about what you're saying right now? You think God is in heaven dapping Jesus? Like, that's right. That's right. I can't stand her either. Jesus is saying, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. At a certain point, my brothers and I realize that if we continue to have conflict, it's going to break our mother's heart. My mother called me one day and said, the greatest joy I have is to see all my children loving one another. I've longed to gather you. I long to get you together and bring you, to gather you under my wings and bring you to the table together. See, the thing about when a mother gathers her children, there's going to be some food. You know, if I go to my mother's house alone, there's been a few times when I come over there on a morning and, you know, and just say, son, are you hungry? I say, oh, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry. When a son is hungry, mama's going to feed him. She'll ask me, "Are you hungry? Can I get you something to eat?" And I'll say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm hungry." Now, if I'm there by myself, she'll say, "Well, let's see what we got in here in the kitchen. We got some toast. Would you like a, a piece of toast and an egg and a cup of coffee? I don't have any butter for that toast, but I could I could put a little olive oil on it and a little little salt. How's that? And a cup of co- would you like a bowl of cereal or how about some malto meal? I got some malto meal for you." See, when I'm there by myself, she'll cook for me, but whatever's already in the house. But you get all of my brothers and sisters and their kids there in the house. She'll wake up in the morning and say, I'm cooking. And she'll look in the kitchen. I'll be right back. And she'll go to the store at 7 o'clock in the morning. Say, there's not sufficient food in this kitchen to feed this family. And she will come home and get in that kitchen. She'll make some arroz con gadules. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's from the Mexican part of our family. You didn't know we had 3% Mexican. Oh, that's Puerto Rican. Well, fine. We got some Puerto Ricans in our family too. I mean, she will make arroz con gandules. And she'll make a fruit salad. And she'll brew a pot of hot coffee. And put orange juice and milk on the table. Matter of fact, multiple kinds of juice. And she'll make a pan of country fried potatoes. And, 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 and some Bacon. When everybody comes together, she makes a spread. When one person comes, how about an egg and a piece of toast? But she gets everybody together. It's a spread. You know, you can go to your prayer closet by yourself and have a one-on-one relationship with God. That's fine. You're going to eat a toast and an egg. But or you can come to the house of God and gather with God's people and have some arroz con gandules and some fruit salad and some coffee and some juice and some country fried potatoes. Are you hearing me this morning? When all of his people come together, God opens up a spread. He spreads out the table. He says, I'm making a meal for my people. My sons and daughters have gathered under the shadow of my wings and I'm going to make a meal fit for a king. Come on, somebody. He says, I long to gather you, Jerusalem. I long to gather you. You know, mothers, they gather their sons and daughters and they want to keep them close when it's cold. You know, I remember when my brother was running the streets and I've told you my little brother's testimony. I probably told it too much. You know, he's not a thug anymore. He serves the Lord. But when he was a thug and he was running the streets, it'd be cold out there. And my mother would be home. Sometimes she'd sit on her bed and just cry. Sometimes she'd be talking, and all of a sudden she'd break down and start crying. I said, "What are you crying about?" And she'd say, "Joshua." I'm cry- Why? Because it's cold out there and not just cold in the natural, but cold in the spirit. She knew it was cold out there in the world. She knew that there were forces out there that wanted to destroy him. She knew he was going to get beaten down out there and she wept because she wanted to bring him home and bring him in and cover him under the shadow. A mother hen, when it's cold, a mother hen gathers all of her chicks together and gets them under the shadow of her wings and she keeps them warm. She says, you're little chicks. You're not able to keep yourself warm during In cold times, but when it's cold outside, I want you to come gather close to me and gather under the shadow of my wings that I'm going to keep you warm. You know, it, it tends to happen that, that we like to disappear when it's cold. See, I haven't seen you in church in about three to four months. Where have you been? I was going through a tough time and I needed to be alone. Translation. I was real cold and I thought I'll just sit out here and freeze by myself. When it's cold, you need to be in the house of God. You need to gather under the wings of the one who wants to gather you together. And you need to be with the other chicks in the house. When you're going through a tough time, it's not time to isolate. See, here's the thing. We like to pretend that everything is good. It's almost not good for us to dress up on Sunday mornings when we come to church because it just teaches us that when you come to church, you're supposed to put on a facade and pretend everything is okay and look your best and act blessed. But sometimes your world is falling apart and you need to just come and say, my world is falling apart. Can I get some people to draw close to me right now and to hold me close? Can I just get under the wings, get under the wings of the Lord and get next to his chicks and get warmed up in the midst of my time of cold? you hearing me this morning? He said, I've longed to gather you. I want to keep you safe from the cold, but not only keeping you safe from the cold, but protecting you from the heat. You know, a mother hen in a fire will gather her chicks under her wing. I read recently a a story of a farmer whose barn burned down. And he came in the morning and he was looking through the wreckage of the, the fire. It had completely demolished his barn and burned it all to the ground. And he saw a mother hen who was completely burned to death. Her body was black. She was burnt, cooked to a crisp. And he just pushed her over. And when he pushed her over, several little chicks scattered out from underneath. They were completely fine. They were protected. She put her body in the way of that fire. Not one of those chicks would have survived that fire had they not been under the protective wings of that mother hen. Jesus says, I've longed to gather you. Why? Because he saw the fire that was getting ready to come on Jerusalem. And if you read what he says next, he says, now your city is laid desolate. Now you've lost everything. Now that you've rejected, I've wanted to gather you like a mother hen. He knew the destruction that was coming on Jerusalem. He knew the the pain that was coming and the devastation. God wants to gather you because He knows what's coming in your life and He knows that you can't make it through it without Him. He says... I want to gather you. And he wasn't just talking metaphorically now. Now he's talking about what he's getting ready to do because he's coming towards the end of his ministry. And at the end of his ministry, he was going to the cross where nails would be laid, would be put in his hands and in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head and the wings of the cross. He invites us to come under the wings of the cross to be covered in his precious blood so that we could be protected from the fire of the wrath of God. He says, I want to gather you under the wings of the cross. I want to protect you from the wages of sin that are death. And I want to give you the gift of God that is eternal life. I've longed to gather you. I've longed to draw you near. But he said, till now, you've been unwilling. And he wept. You're unwilling. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, Jesus says, come to me. You who are weary and heavy laden. In Luke 13, 34, he says, I've longed to gather you. Come to me. I've longed to gather you. Will you come to me? I've longed to gather you the way a mother hen gathers her young. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You're here this morning for one reason. Jesus desires to gather you you're here because he wants to gather you together. And you hear this mother heart of God crying out throughout scripture. You hear the mother heart of God crying out through Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. When he warns the people of Israel, he says, if you sin against the Lord and reject his covenant, God is going to cause you to be scattered across the nations of the heaven. But even there, if you're scattered to the farthest heaven, if you begin to repent in your heart and cry out to God, he'll gather you together and bring you back to the land of promise that he promised you. You hear it through the prophets, the the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Jeremiah, they're saying now, yes, just as Moses promised, we've been scattered to the nations. We've been sent into Assyria. We've been sent into Babylon. We've been scattered. But even now, if we cry out to the Lord, the Lord promises that He'll gather us and He'll bring us back to our place, to our homeland. The prophets cried out that, about the gathering of the Lord. And that's why Jesus said, You stoned the prophets and you killed those who were sent to you. You rejected the word of the prophet. Through the prophets, God is crying out. And wanting to gather his sons and daughters. And what you see in the prophets sometimes is you see the father revelation of God and the mother revelation of God standing side by side. Look at the prophet Amos and the prophet Hosea. You know, when the mother revelation doesn't work, sometimes God resorts to the father revelation. And we see that even in a household. Because my mom, when we would be acting a fool, my mom would reach for us and call to us and try to gather us and try to get us under control and, and plead with us and try to correct us in a loving way and, and have compassion on us. But when that what wouldn't work, she would say, wait till your father gets home. Now, once she said, wait till your father gets home, there's no hope. The dispensation of grace is over. You have just entered back into the dispensation of judgment and the dispensation of wrath. Once she said, wait till your father gets home, it means that the grace has just run out. Don't bother repenting. You should have repented 10 minutes ago. You know when people say, it's never too late, not for my mama. No, it's too late. You done missed it. You look at the prophet Amos and, and, and God is ticked. Amos and Hosea were prophesying at the same time. And you look at Amos and God is through. He said, I'm done talking. I'm done. You want me to explain what my, how my judgment's about to come? It's like a man ran from a lion and met a bear. And he escaped the bear, ran into his house and put his hand on the wall and a snake bit him. You know what God is saying to the prophet Amos? If one judgment doesn't get you, I got another one waiting on the other side. And if that wasn't, one doesn't get you, I got another one waiting. And in Amos, God says, I'm through. I'm just, I'm killing all of you. Let's pray. Can you imagine a sermon like that? God says, I'm through. I'm killing all of you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, handle your business. You're dismissed, right? That's Amos, but on the other side, Hosea is weeping. You read the prophet Hosea, and he's weeping. And he's saying, how can I destroy you, Ephraim? How can I destroy you, Israel? How can I let you? Can a mother forget the baby nursing at her womb? Even if she can, I can't forget you. I've inscribed you on the palm of my hand. If anybody touches you, they touch the apple of my eye. Hosea is weeping and crying out before the Lord. Hosea is weeping before Israel. This is the mother revelation of God. When we're talking, when we gather together for Mother's Day, we gather to hear that mother heart of God crying out for us. Listen, I am so thankful for all of the mothers in this room, but I'm telling you that there's a mother heart of God that's greater than your heart and greater than the hurt in your heart, and God wants to gather you. Listen, you mothers in this room, you need to be mothered. And the mother heart of God wants to gather you and feed you and protect you from the cold and from the heat finally in the new testament we see over and over again hebrews 10:25 says don't forsake the gathering when you gather together to worship. Do you hear that heart of God? Don't forsake the gathering when you gather together to worship as some are in the habit of doing. Even more so now that we see the day approaching. It's getting colder outside and so we need the gathering more than ever. It's getting darker outside and so we need the gathering more than ever. We need to be a light in the midst of this dark and crooked and perverse generation and so we need to come together to receive the encouragement of the Spirit of God. To encourage one another and to spur one another on toward love and good works we need to come together and eat the feast God wants to gather us this morning and he wants to bring us to a place closer to his heart than we've ever gone before this morning the heart of God is crying out for you he wants to gather you He wants to bring you from afar. Maybe you feel like you're far away from the presence of the Lord. That's okay. He's able to gather you just like the prodigal son who was in a far off country and made a decision. He said, I'll return to my father. And there was a gathering. The father left the porch and ran off to meet him while he was still a far way off. I'm saying to you today that even if you are far away from the Lord, if you take a step towards him today, he will run towards you and he'll cover the rest of the distance. You just got to take a step in his direction today. And every day when we wake up, we got to take a step in his direction and a Allow him to gather us to himself. God is here. He loves you. And he's drawing you close to his heart. Let's pray. Father, I speak your blessing over this house today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for these sons and daughters of yours that you're gathering. You're drawing close to your heart. First of all, I want to ask while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe there's somebody here today you've wandered away. You've been like a sheep that's gone astray. But this morning you're ready to return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. You say, I'm ready to return to Jesus. I'm ready to allow him to gather me. And maybe you feel like you're far away. I want you to know that I don't care how far you are. You are not so far that God can't reach you. He said, my ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. My arm is not shortened that it cannot save. You're ready to return to the Lord today. He said, return to me and I'll return to you. Return to me. And I'll return to you. And I believe there's a returning of hearts to the Lord this morning. There's an opening of hearts. Some of you, you've run so far, you don't even know the way back. It doesn't matter. Jesus said, I am the way. You're here this morning. You say, I'm ready. I'm ready to return. Lift your hand. Nobody's looking around. Lift your hand. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm going to ask you for something special. I'm going to ask you to get up and come stand right here at this altar right now. Come up here. Come on up. Come stand right here. Be bold. You're returning to the Lord. Return to him with all of your heart. Not half of your heart, not part of your heart. Come stand right here. There's others of you that lifted your hand. I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to be bold. Maybe you're here. It's not even a return. You don't even know the Lord. Maybe you've never opened your heart to him. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you would hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and eat with you and you with me. You're ready to come in. You're ready to open the door and let him come in. Lift your hand right now. Say, why do I ask you to come stand at this altar to embarrass you? No, not at all. But because when you make a decision for Christ, you do it publicly. Not privately, not secretly. It's not a secret thing. Jesus didn't die in secret. He died stripped naked, bare before the world, humiliated on a cross, stripped before the world. He made a declaration of his love for you. It's like a man secretly loving a woman but not willing to love her publicly. I ask you to come forward to make a public declaration that I'm returning to Jesus. I'm returning to the shepherd and overseer of my soul. Somebody else here. You say, I don't know Jesus, but I'm ready to receive him. Lift up your hand. There's others of you here today. You've lived in the outer court for so long. When we're talking about the gathering power of God, we're talking about his desire to gather us from the outskirts and to bring us into the inskirts. If I went to my mom's house and all I did was play in the front yard, but I never went in and sat at the table with her. Many of us, we come to church week after week, after week, after week, after week, after week, week, but we're living so far in the outskirts of the house of the Lord that we haven't ever come in and sat at the table with him. God wants to gather you. He wants to bring you to the inside. If that's you today, lift up your hand right where you are. You say, I'm ready. I'm ready to come in. I want him to draw me deeper. Draw me deeper. Draw me deeper. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. If anybody wants to come to this altar right now, and you just sense something in your heart needs to break, whether you responded to that or you want a deeper measure, you just want God to draw you near, there's power at this altar right now. I want to invite you to come. I'm going to accentuate the altar in the days to come. I'm going to have a hair trigger with the altar in the days to come. Why? Because the power of this altar is increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. The power of God is rising right now. The power of God is rising right now. Everybody else, just stand up and lift your hands to the Lord and begin to reach for him right now. I want you to sing that song, He Loves Me, He Loves Me. Chinway, can you come up and sing it? Everybody, just begin to lift your hearts and hands to the Lord. I want you to talk to God right now. I want you to make a decision. In the name of Jesus. I declare the presence of God is rising, it's increasing, yeah, it's increasing. God is drawing us. you near right now. Oh, the how oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves, oh, how he loves. Yeah. if your it's voice